welcome to the Soft Talk Week podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Renee. As a surrogate partner and intimacy guide, many times clients approach me to fix their dick. This led me to create Soft Cock Week in 2022, an annually celebrated week of education, appreciation, and normalization of the flaccid phallus. I'm so happy you're here. Before we get started, this podcast is not a replacement for medical advice. In fact, when you notice any change in your body, especially in how your penis is functioning, please always seek medical consultation first. Now let's get started. Yay, we're here. This is like the first, I don't know how this is going to come out as far as what order this episode will come out, but this is my first episode recording for Soft Cock Week. And I'm really excited because this was just an idea I had walking my dog one day of like, you know what would be the biggest yes for me is just recording a bunch of interviews and putting them out just during the week of Soft Cock Week. So I'm Michelle Renee, the founder of Soft Cock Week, and I'm here today with Dr. Susie Gronsky. And I'm going to let Susie introduce herself and let us know a little bit about her background before we dive into our topic of Soft Cock today. Thank you, Michelle. I am a doctor of physical therapy who specializes in men's pelvic and sexual health. I'm also an ASEC certified sexuality educator and currently working on my ASEC sexuality counseling certificate as well. I own and operate a men's pelvic and sexual health clinic in Asheville, North Carolina. It's so good to have you here. I'm so glad you reached out. I really wanted to talk to a pelvic floor PT as part of our week. Will I talk to multiple? Maybe. I don't even know who's on the lineup for this year. I try to take things very much in a, where is my yes? Mm. And um, whatever happens with Soft Cock Week, last year was the first year. And I said, whatever happens with it will be great. And I'm doing the same thing this year. So what mm. comes into my universe just kind of comes into my universe. And I'm I'm just, I'm so excited that you're the first one because this is an area that I know a little bit about, but not a lot. And I say, I know a little bit about, I mean, I'm the butthole whisperer as my t-shirt says today. Classic. I love that shirt. I love a prostate is my favorite. Wish I could have one for like 24 hours. It'd be fantastic. Um, but, but pelvic floor PT is such a fascinating um, world for me and I don't know a ton about it. So I'm excited to have you here and tell us, um, like a little bit more about what we should know about maybe where pelvic floor PT comes into talking about soft penises and erectile. Um, I don't like to use dysfunction, but disappointment. Hmm. And, and what message you have for the soft cock week people. And so let's, let's get started. Back. Yes. Okay. So as a pelvic floor physical therapist and a shout out to my occupational therapy friends who are doing pelvic health work, because I will say if there is a profession out there that can do pooping, peeing and sex really well, it's my colleagues in the occupational therapy world, because it is just woven into the thread of their curriculum. <laughs> so shout out to them, uh, especially my colleague, Lainey Givens, uh, who's an occupational therapist. So rehab from a rehab perspective of physical therapy and occupational therapy, pelvic health is pooping, peeing, and sex. And the muscles and the tissues and the organs and the nerves and the vasculature that supplies this area. So I have a little show and tell. <laughs> Yay. <model. laughs> 
that I'd like to use because visuals are important. So I'll describe here what I'm holding in my hands, which is a male identified pelvis. So you'll see the genitals, the penis, the testicles, uh, this part of a scrotum, because this model, model is certainly has its limitations and benefits. You also have the bony aspects of the pelvis, which are essentially when you put your hands on your hips, the bones that you hit on your waist, those are the wings of the pelvis. And then you can see here on the bottom, you've got the butt bones. So the bony parts of the butt that we're all sitting on right now, are the ischial tuberosities or these butt bones. And everything in between these butt bones is called the perineum. So this is where the pelvic floor and all the contents of the pelvic floor live. And as you can see here in this model, we've got some red uh, looking muscles perhaps, and then some yellow that looks like nerves. And so this is showing you here that you have muscles that wrap around the erectile tissue. These muscles aid in sphincteric control as well, so continence control, but they also help with maintaining the rigidity and the angle of an erection, and then they help with ejaculation. So they squeeze and let go, squeeze and let go during ejaculation to help expel fluid. Now you'll see there's a muscle here. So speaking of buttholes, yes, this, is, <laughs> this would be a butthole, and the, around the butthole, you have a group of muscles as well, which are sphincters. So you've got the external anal sphincter and then the internal anal sphincter, which you can't see here. But this muscle, we've all used it before. If you wanted to hold back a fart ever, you use this muscle. <laughs> and when that muscle fails, sometimes you have a surprise. Yep. Might yep. be a fart, might be a shart. But if you're not aware of that, and you are losing gas involuntarily, stool or pee, this is where we come in. We come in to say, what's going on here with the muscles, the sensations, the nerves that connect to these muscles, the function, what's going on here? How can we optimize function? And what is function? Pooping, peeing, and sex. And none of those things, none of those activities of, one would say activities of daily living, none of those should be painful at all. Right. Right. So again, if you have difficulty with urinary bowel, uh, holding back gas or, or pee or letting that go, you know, if you're having difficulty emptying your bladder or pooping, or if you're having difficulty with uh, sexual function, you know, maybe it's painful. Maybe it's difficult to this is soft cock week. Maybe it is difficult to uh, help you, you know, get an erection. You know, so there are parts of the pelvis that help support all these physiological processes, and so that's what pelvic floor therapy is all about. Thank you so much for giving us the quick anatomy portion of it, and it reminds me um, as a as a vulva owner. Um, I think of all the, that, those parts in how they reference the female body. And it just takes me back to learning a lot about the nerve um, centers down there and how we lose so much of that function with episiotomies and things like that. That's mm -hmm. not what we're talking about today, but I, I, I love the overlap of, I get very like geeky around how our anatomy like split in, um, in utero and how much of all of that anatomy you just shared with us also pertains to my body. 
I don't know. Just mm-hmm. I love I love science and bodies are cool and I love buttholes. So thank you for talking and bringing us up to speed there. <laughs> so I know that you have a book, um, Pelvic Pain: The Ultimate Cock Block, and you do talk a lot about pooping in there, and I really appreciate. That. <laughs> We're gonna get to the nitty gritty and get, get down and dirty. Let's do it. Proper proper <laughs> ways to poop. I just I, as a as a mom that had kids with bowel issues, I really appreciate that part of that part of the book as I was flipping through it today. Um, but but when we connected, you talked about wanting to talk about prostate cancer and sexuality. And I know that we have people that come into Soft Cock Week for lots of different reasons, but a really common reason that people deal with ED issues is prostate cancer. Yeah. So how do we start talking about that? What What is the first thing that comes to mind when you're like, if I could give one message mm-hmm. to people recovering from prostate cancer, what would it be? Mm. that your sex life doesn't have to end that there's so much more to explore there are alternative treatment options there are ways to reconnect with your sexuality maybe it may be different now for for many folks who've had prostate cancer and prostate cancer treatment which may include the removal of the prostate many can all still get an erection. Now there might that might need a little bit of of support and help uh, through penis pumps, injectable therapies, pelvic therapy, etc. But it still can happen for many and often it can be years later. You know, so if 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 you're even if you've had difficulty with sexual function, even it's if it's been years, there there is still room for change. Your body can adapt. Now, again, it may not be, uh, it may, may, may not be exactly in the way that you uh, remember uh, as far as function or even sensation, but everything changes and we can really support that. So that's what comes to mind when you ask me about what's the most important thing that I'd like people to know is that sex, your sex life doesn't have to end. In fact, it's opportunities to explore and expand your sexual menu and repertoire. That's what I say about soft cock in general, right? Of course, go see your medical provider, get a thorough checkup to make sure there's not other medical issues going on that is affecting your erection. Um, Check out going to a pelvic floor PT. Don't just assume that this is the the new norm, mm-hmm. but also across the board, even if it is your new norm, don't give up on sex. Yes. Yes. Find that, reconnect, rekindle with your sexuality, your sexual voice. So if it's okay, I'd like to, which I didn't mention in the beginning about anatomy, but just kind of explain to folks why it may be hard to no pun intended, it may be challenging to get an erection. And what happens during something like surgery related to the prostate removal of the prostate? So if I bring back my my model here, on the inside, you're going to see a bladder and underneath that will be a prostate. And I'll show you just in a moment um, what these organs look like on the inside. So just to orient folks here, we've got the pubic bone in the front, the bladder, prostate, and the rectum. And then here's the spine. 
And on the bottom here, all the pelvic floor muscles supporting these structures, right? So Mm -hmm. in the beginning of this conversation, I was showing folks the superficial muscles. Now here we're getting into the deeper layer Mm -hmm. that support the rectum and the bladder and the prostate for stability, sphincteric control, and, and adapting to load, different postural load, different pressures, et cetera. So when the prostate is removed, there are nerve endings there. They're called cavernosal nerves to the penis. Those nerves that supply the penis are often injured. Even if it's in a nerve-sparing surgery, the surgery alone, the heat from the implements and the surgery itself is going to cause neuropraxia, which is irritation and inflammation to the nerves in this area. So even from that alone, you are going to have some downtime. Again, no pun intended, but everything's going to need a little bit of time to reset and rehab. And so what we do from a rehab perspective is, hey, first of all, many men are experiencing incontinence after surgery and they're experiencing incontinence because what's also interesting about the prostate and the bladder is that at the bladder neck, at the top of the, where the prostate would have been is a muscle called the internal urethral sphincter that is often removed. So that sphincter, which is a mechanism of continence control is no longer available. And you're only relying on your pelvic floor muscles to help maintain and sustain continence during activities and even during sex. So that's no longer there. So many men will experience incontinence. Now for some men that's short term, can be mm-hmm. up to six, six weeks, maybe a little longer. Uh, men, the literature does show that men who have had pre-rehab, meaning gone to pelvic therapy, uh, had instruction one-on-one on how to find these muscles, activate these muscles, adapt to load. There's like a muscle memory, helps after surgery, and then having rehab afterwards. That continence control is important for many men in the beginning, just right off the bat. So it's going to be really difficult to want to feel sexy, get aroused, have sex if you're worried about leaking during sex. If you're worried about leaking in general, it really does impact self-esteem and confidence and the ability, desire, just desire alone. So the, the number one thing that men are really wanting in the beginning is help me stay dry, like help me, yeah. help me stay dry. And then we'll talk about sex. And you know what's interesting, Michelle, is that the doctor, like, you all just are awesome. And thank goodness for technology and for the work that they do for folks, for all of us. But when it comes to talking about sex, expectations, rehab afterwards, sexual recovery, continence recovery, those conversations are not happening in those spaces. And so men will often get a one-page handout of here's how to do some kegels, some pelvic floor exercises. And that's not enough. No, yeah, you're like, it should be fine, great. And um, come back to see me in six weeks. Like they're supposed to figure it out by themselves. I think about this. Okay, so so my background is in surrogate partner therapy. And one of our major tools in that toolbox is sensate focus, which is being really present in your touch and paying attention. And and you start with hands, touching hands and noticing who is the touch for? Am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for my partner? Things like this. But I also, I often think like if you're sent home with this ditto, right? I'm going to 
age myself of like dittos from school. If you're, you're handed this piece of paper and given these instructions, I don't know how many people would be able to translate that into real life. And they have no baseline to know what they're looking for in the exercise. So like to send someone home with this paper of like, like connecting with your Kegels and doing these exercises and you don't know what you're supposed to be feeling. That's really, yeah, that's so it's, it's expecting a lot out of someone. And I imagine they end up just feeling really like confused and maybe like a failure because if they're not seeing something happen and they don't know, they don't have anybody to ask. That's right. And bingo, you just, you just really important point. You just nailed right there. They don't know who to ask. There's a lot of stigma and shame around. I'm I'm dealing with these issues, uh, you know. Med- the medical, tr- you know, I got this thing. The medical, the system. This is all I got. <laughs> and where do I go from here? Talking about sex in general is is stigmatized and and it's such such taboo in our culture. I think it's especially unique a, a unique challenge for men as well because they just really don't know who to go to. I mean, uh, vulva owners like myself, you know, we have urogynes, gynecologists you know, women's health and in general, pelvic health is very gynocentric. And the spaces and voices surrounding men's pelvic and sexual health are very slim compared to, you know, other accessibility and availability for for healthcare. So it's it's ironic. I just have to say, like, (laughs) there's so much of the medical world that is based for men. And then there's so many parts of the medical world that they're being shut out in like the opposite ways yeah. that women are shut out of certain parts of the medical yeah. community. Yes, oh, exactly. I'm glad you're here to talk about it. And well, thank you for having, and thank you for having soft cock week. So I can talk about this. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I was on a few interviews and this topic of like what like what frustrates me in my work and i'm like oh these men show up and they're like fix my penis i i don't stay hard 100% of the time when i'm having sex and i'm like yeah but like they they don't have anything to compare to other than porn mm-hmm. which isn't real sex mm-hmm. right there's we don't know what actually happens in those spaces to create that impression mm-hmm. of that experience or that event and so it just dropped as a joke kind of a couple of times of like I just want to have like a celebration of soft penises because I think they're super fun and I wish that people wouldn't think that they negate like that there's no chance to have sex with a soft cock in the room exactly. and and then I got connected to um a really wonderful resource out of I believe Australia or the Netherlands not Netherlands New Zealand um Mish Um, Middleton has a blog all about recovering from prostate cancer Mm -hmm. and just such an open-hearted person. I think we're going to end up with him on this week during soft cock Mm -hmm. week. Um, But it's a real, it's, it doesn't have to be the end of your sex life. And so it's so important to talk about how do we regain as much function as we can after these procedures. And so, so if somebody's going through prostate cancer, and they're thinking about, okay, so I've already missed the opportunity. Maybe I've already missed the opportunity to do the training pre, pre, if they're having a, a removal of their prostate as part of their treatment. What can they do right now? Do they go to their urologist and say, I need a, a, a referral to a pelvic floor PT? Like, is that like a, yes, please do that now. Like get that started now. That would be fantastic if if that if there's resource and accessibility to to do that absolutely, and and 
I also do recognize, and I'm just going to name it, that not not every pelvic therapist does work with men. So that's I've heard another that. Cha- yeah, that's another challenge that men have expressed to me is actually finding a provider who is going to do a genital pelvic exam, meaning it's not just about the internal assessment, but also assessing the genitals. I mean, when we talk about sensation and d- perhaps changes in sensation because of altered nerve status, right, to the, these tissues, it's important to assess like what kind of sensation do you have? Uh, Where? Where's the most sensitive? What about vibration versus different types of like softer or firmer touch? That's really important to know because those might be strategies that that person can try as far as varied stimulation. In fact, penile vibratory stimulation might be one of the sexual resources that is offered to help with waking up these nerves and to help get blood flow to those tissues. Another thing is a penis pump. If you're not using a penis pump, haven't used a penis pump, golly, that's really important because once you have your prostate removed or any injury to the nerves that supply, that communicate with your penis, you're going to lose function. And this organ, this part of your body thrives on getting adequate blood supply, healthy blood supply, tissue mobility and movement, just like any other part of your body. So penis pumps are really, really resourceful because it's like taking your penis to the gym. Something, you know, Mm -hmm. things got injured. We still need to help with the recovery and getting blood flow to these tissues is really important. So penis pumps or any form of stimulation, whether that's through hand, oral, vibrator, pump, or even an injectable or medications like Cialis or Viagra to help get some blood flow to that organ is going to be really important. And there's very few studies uh, out there that are, are, are alluding to the fact that even working with a penis funk and penis pump and helping regain sexual function may also help with re, re- in improving your continence control as well. So helping with the incontinence issues as well. So I named a few of those things and certainly pelvic therapy, muscle rehab, you know, neuromotor control, coordination, body awareness, that all helps with sensory signaling in this part of the body too. And again, using all these modalities and treatments are going to help you feel more confident and and capable and autonomous in your recovery plan to say that there are many options. There's no one size fits all. And many people have to use a multiple combination of the things that I just named to support their recovery. And you can be years out, just, you know, just had surgery. It doesn't matter where you are at, on your on your journey or your recovery. Change is change is possible. Yeah, it's like it's like these nerves can be re regenerated, reconnected. Like our bodies are amazing things. Mm-hmm. I think about um so my background comes from like Betty Dotson. Are you familiar with her? She was like the grandmother of masturbation. Yeah. And her big thing was like if you're having trouble reaching orgasm, start touching yourself, right? And do a 20-minute vulva massage, not to get to orgasm, just to get the blood flowing into that region. And so it's the same thing with your penis is you've got to have regular blood flow to the, to the region. I remember, um, 
back in my early days as a professional cuddler, I have this wild background and we've never really introduced me completely, but I, I've worked with a lot of older men, right? And in cuddling and they quickly learned that I was like a sex geek and they could ask me all of these sex related questions. And I remember this older gentleman who was like, can you, is it bad to masturbate with a soft penis? And I was like, no, he thought he was going to break something or hurt something in him. And so he had been not doing it. He hadn't been getting erections for years and, and was worried about touching himself if he wasn't hard. And I was like, oh, sweetie, yes, absolutely. You can use vibrators. And he's like, men can use vibrators. And we just, I know it's, it's the generations. I hope the sex that has gotten better, but I was the first person he'd ever talked to about sex. And so I introduced him to vibrators and lubricants and that it's okay to masturbate with a soft penis and, and all these things. And, Oh, I hope we're, we're passing this message on now is that keep touching yourself. Yes. Yes. Keep touching yourself because any area of your body can be erogenous and erotic <laughs> and you can still experience orgasm and immense pleasure. Like there is a limitless capacity for your penis to experience pleasure. But unfortunately, as you're mentioning, Michelle, is that we're just taught, or at least the message is, is that it's only a hard cock that gets pleasure. That's the only way my cock is hard or if their cock mm -hmm. is hard. That's not true. That is so not true. There are, it's like, it's amazing the physiology that occurs here, honestly. And I think we're being very reductionistic if, if we're just looking at a penis and saying the only way in order to experience some pleasure or sexual satisfaction is if it's rock hard, ready to go at any time. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, I heard recently um, somebody was talking about a lot of men pull back from initiating partnered sex because they don't have a, a, an erection that's predictable. Mm -hmm. And so they just cut it, like not cut it off. I don't, it's not Lorena Bobbitt. Um, they just stop. They stop initiating sex with their partner. They take mm -hmm. it off the table just mm -hmm. because they can't predict that it's going to be hard. Right. Right. I can't predict that I'm going to be ready to show up for sex in the way that my partner maybe mm -hmm. wants to have sex. I have responsive desire, which means that I have to like be aroused before desire comes for me. And you can be aroused without an erection. You can certainly be aroused without an erection and you can have an erection and not be aroused at all. Arousal so, non-concordance, right? Like let's bring that into the world, you know, and get that on people's regular vocabulary of the things that I wish people knew to understand how their bodies function, especially in sexual situations and non-sexual situations. Mm. Yes. So important to define many people, as you, as you mentioned, unless you're in this world of conversation and listening to these narratives, it's, we're not, it's not in sex education at all. No, no. So question that comes up in my head when I think about penis pumps, because I've played with penis pumps before and they're actually quite, quite fun mm -hmm. to, to play Shall with. Shall I bring one out? Shall I? Should yeah, I please. <laughs> Law. Yeah. Yes. So, question: Is there is there danger in using a penis pump? Is there a way to to hurt yourself with a penis pump? Well, yes. Just like tissue. This is we're dealing with tissues of the body. Like anything, if you do it too fast, too hard, too quickly, enough for your body to adapt to the changes in pressure 
and stretch, yes, you can hurt yourself. So there is a way to skillfully introduce a penis pump. And it's really just giving your body enough time to adapt. So what people, I think some people forget, you know, you put the penis in here and they're like pumping away, right? Like as if one pump means it's happening simultaneously. No, this is a closed pressurized vacuum system, which means that you have to give your, your, it's pulling in blood into this organ and there's a delayed response. So slow down, fellas. Don't don't go too quickly. Allow your tissues to adapt to the pressure changes because you do have connective tissue that wraps around and nerves, etc. That also, you know, again, looking at this model, you have nerves that come from other areas that also supply this region and supply sensation to your penis etc. We want to be able to maintain integrity of those tissues. So yes, you want to go slow and low and build up to uh, your your size. You know, you know what that is for you and what is comfortable. And certainly if something is painful while you're doing this, back off a little bit. Try again. Don't be afraid because again, your tissues are stretching, things are filling with blood. Uh, men will say that it's just, it feels like a very different sensation, especially because it's a vacuum assisted device. It just feels a little different. Um, so please let your body acclimate to the changes when you're using a penis pump. Great. I want, I didn't want to not talk about pen. I didn't want to talk about penis pumps and not talk about how to use them because I, yeah. I've had that kind of question, um, come up with with men I've worked with that are questioning whether to use a penis pump and and I only have very limited experience with it so I'm glad that we got to talk it's about necessary that. I, t- I tell people it is so necessary think of it like I said penis going to the gym penis rehab penile rehab whatever you want to call it but it's like it's really important to make sure that we can continue to stretch this, these tissues to get oxygenated blood flow to these tissues and to help mimic again function Uh, and also just connecting with your body, you know, in your brain, your brain, so that Mm -hmm. your brain can connect with this part of your body and have a visual of function and what that feels like. And uh, the other thing with penis pumps as well um, that I wanted to name that is just leaving my head right now. (laughs) They'll come back. They say something about penis pumps that I was like, oh, this is a really good point. Oh, nocturnal erections. There it is there there are none that are happening and that's how the penis that's how a penis generally gets exercise regularly is having several nocturnal erections when you don't have your prostate and the nerves there are injured or damaged that's not happening so this it's even more imperative to make sure that you're taking your penis to the gym i love that take your penis to the gym <laughs> get a good workout in and it's not about taking your penis to the gym and getting an orgasm correct it's about taking your penis to the gym and getting blood flow. Correct. Exactly. Stretching tissues so you don't end up getting something like Peyronie's disease, which is mm-hmm. very common post-prostate mm-hmm. prostatectomy. Yeah, I, I see it in my work come up even not related to prostate mm-hmm. removal. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't completely have an education around that one but we don't that's kind of outside of our scope today. So we won't dive into that as a as a topic, but um what else um I'm thinking what tips do you have about bringing back orgasm to the post cancer prostate um person that's like okay, so I've got I've got some blood flow happening. Mm-hmm. Do you have do you guys work in helping to bring back orgasm also? 
Absolutely. Yes. So, so I'm also a sexuality counselor and educator. So depending on the pelvic health practitioner that you're seeing, just like word of caution, not everyone has the additional skills or knowledge to communicate around sexuality and sexual health and to do a a sexual health intake. So it, it may not be part of the purview with a particular individual, but you can always get connected with a sexuality professional, counselor, therapist, et cetera, to help support that piece. What, what's beautiful about what we do in our practice is that we do combine that. So we do combine the actual physical rehab with the psycho, the psychological aspects and the emotional aspects to arousal, because from a physiological perspective, we know the brain can turn up messages and turn down messages. And it's very important. So yes, you know, I might say, okay, use a penis pump. And how about we start bringing in um, some arousal? You know, what are things that turned you on or used to turn you on like turn ons versus turn offs? What about involving your partner? You know, maybe you have your partner use the pump on you, you know, definitely connecting the arousal pieces and their sexual voice. They, we may have to do a little navigating around what that looks like. Because just depending right. on what their, uh, you know, sexual status was or what their sexuality was before surgery, you know, certainly we want to be able to m- match, at least match those expectations and or improve or optimize if sex was off the table for whatever reason, right? We're often dealing mm-hmm. with folks who have multiple health you know, core morbidities or health issues as well that may be playing into the the biological, psychological, and um, you know, social cultural aspects, relational factors to sexual dysfunction. I will say that I get connected to pelvic floor PTs not super often, but I run a couple of peer to peer support groups for intimacy professionals, and I am seeing public floor PTs get ASEC certification and tie those together. And it makes me very happy. And we're, we're glad to have that, that happening. I I'm, I'm loving seeing that. Oh, so happy because it's, it's, we, we are pooping, peeing in sex again. This is what this part of the body does. And if we're failing to address that, we're really missing the boat. I mean, it's like, you know, we have to address it and addressing it skillfully, certainly. And yes, I, I, I love that question that you asked, like, how do we tie it into arousal and intimacy and connecting with your partner and yeah, not just making it mechanical. Do you ever work with the partners of your, of the, of the patient? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. From the perspective of education, Mm -hmm. you know, just educating about here's male anatomy and here are things that have changed and here's how you can help support your partner and what has been the dynamic for you both before prostate cancer. You know, what were the what were the strengths and vulnerabilities of your relationships around your sexuality? Um, I'm also interested about communication styles and things that they're willing to explore with or expand, because often I'm challenging sometimes, uh, you know, traditional sexual narratives, you know, when things change. And it's like, how willing are we to explore or expand our sexual menu or portfolio? Mm -hmm. That moving away from penis centered sex. Yeah. Right. What does that look like? I, I joke that I, I help people queer their sex without telling them that I'm helping them queer their sex because that might be contagious or something like that. I don't know. Um, I don't know how that lands on a lot of the, the cishet normative world. Um, but like, what does sex look like if you're not basing it around penis and vagina sex? Right. right? Exactly. 
what parts of your body could be really turned on. I have a spot on the back of my arm that -hmm. when people touch it, I'm just like, goo. Who would have thought that's an erotic zone for me, right? An erogenous zone. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting a, a mm-hmm. person when I was back in the dating world that was a quadriplegic and he was telling me about, you know, orgasms through his nipples. And that's fantastic. I've yeah. had orgasms through my nipples. Like it's a thing. We, our body is a whole sex organ. You know, our skin <laughs> is a huge organ. Yes. It totally is. And even the balls. I mean, I can't tell you how many times men tell me like they've never even thought to play with their balls while they're masturbating or during sex or having their partner, you know, stretch or tickle their balls or what have you. It's like you there's so much sensory landscape to explore on your body that we again, we're really being reductionistic. We we can sky's the limit to experience pleasure and touch and different kinds of touch and texture and temperature. And if we associate it, obviously, erotically and sensually, certainly, right, because for some Mm -hmm. one person's yum is another person's yuck and that's okay we all have our preferences you know so it's it's meeting in the middle exploring being curious and who knows you may discover a whole different world you know sex might yeah. even be better go and home and like I mean, put a blindfold on, take away a, a, a sensory, a, you know, a, a, one of yeah. your senses, right? And just map out your body, what feels good, put on some sexy music, play with all the senses. So you've got taste, touch, sight, uh, sound. What am I missing? Smell. Smell. Do something to hit all of those senses. Definitely. With an open mind and just see what happens. Like. I think we get in these ruts, right? Like sometimes, sometimes you've got to do this work without being in sexual space. Maybe start without even looking for arousal, but just sensation wise, what feels good. We go to like what we know. And if we've got to really change how we're interacting with sex, we've got to kind of step back Mm -hmm. and, and start to re um, investigate our bodies, but maybe just from a, a sense of, pleasure and not necessarily sexual pleasure and then start building from there it's almost like can we just like clean slate yeah if you knew nothing about yourself if you knew nothing about sex yeah just start from your skin Mm. and what would feel good to me right now and keep following that like Mm. that's i i clients it's so interesting when you get okay so i work in the spectrum of, of intimacy from platonic to erotic. So I get, I get a person in and we start with cuddling. I start everybody in the same space. Right. And we're cuddling and they're like, wow, this feels great. I've never actually experienced cuddling before. This is so new to me. And they, they can really dive into it deeply and really feel like what it does to their nervous system. And, and they're just enjoying this regulation with me. And then we get into working on our body image and we take our clothes off. Right. And then we try to cuddle with our clothes off. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. all of the energy is going to, why isn't my dick hard? And I'm like, you're not even enjoying the cuddle anymore. Yeah. Because you're going to this, like, it's like a deeply rooted road that you just got to like figure out how to get off that, Mm -hmm. that path and pick a different one. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. harder. It, it, it's, it's not easy to do, but it takes, that's what it's going to take. 
you've got to figure out how to rewire what you, what you think the path is. It's going to be a different road. Right. And, you know, and that's so true is, you know, can we have some flexibility around our sexual experiences? That mental flexibility is so important. I mean, it really is going to, it, it is, everything is about the perspective that we, we have in our situations, you know, the lenses of which we're observing this and experiencing what is happening to us and with us. And, you know, it, there's a wonderful quote by, I believe it's Dwyer or Dyer, um, change the way you look at things and things that you start to look at start to change something like mm -hmm. that and it's so true i mean if we can make that shift wow the, like there there are no limitations there are no barriers there's just new experiences and exploration so yeah having that mental flexibility i think is super important and also i'd like to just name that i i also acknowledge that for some men it is important you know it is important to be able to visually see their their penis hard and function in a particular way because it is, you know, part of their identity and part of how they've been accustomed to exploring their body and 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 being and experiencing pleasure in their body with this part of themselves. So I I, I just want to say we're not I'm not minim we're not minimizing that experience or that importance for you. It, it's it's more of um holding space, holding space for maybe some of the, the grieving and the loss that is in the experience when we have something like prostate cancer or a health condition that, you know, changes our sexual function. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was a, that was an interesting part of last year's experience for me with this being a, a new launch, like coming out of the gate, I was like, I love soft penises. These are fun. And I love to play with them. And they're great. And then I got like hit with the, oh, we've got a lot of people that are still in the grieving process. And totally understandable. I've, mm -hmm. I didn't have to lose the, the function of my penis in the way that I used to have it, right? I've never had to go through that myself. You know, I, I totally hold space for that. And on the other side of that, there's still so much pleasure to be had, no matter what shows up, no matter what shows up, you can still show up for sex and even like partner sex, masturbation, solo sex. Mm -hmm. There's still so much out there for you. And we want to mm -hmm. help you get to that side of it to where you can say, wow, I went through this thing. And, and, and while it's not the same. I don't even want to say that it's better or less than it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. It's another chapter. Right. Different experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Beautifully said. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for joining us, Susie. Um, is there any last, like anything that you would kick yourself if you left today and you didn't express? Ooh, two things. One thing, two things. A strap-on cock can be a nice experience for some men, you know, so you can use your soft cock with a hard strap-on, mm -hmm. and that can be very yummy if you're willing to explore that. Mm -hmm. And also, cock rings. Mm -hmm. Cock rings for a couple of reasons. Cock rings to help, obviously, just maintain blood flow to the penis if you want 
and it acts as a constriction device to help keep you continent if you are experiencing climacteria or otherwise known as like sex with climax or orgasm or incontinence with sex or orgasm. That's so a new one for me. And that way. So That's I a new one to... for me. I, I rarely, like I, I used to sell sex toys and like, I don't keep up on that world, but I've never, I never knew that correlation. And that's, I'm putting that in my little notebook for, for future reference. Thank you. You're welcome. It was such a pleasure to meet you. I'm so glad that you showed up on my radar. Thank and, you so much. Um, yeah. Where can people find you if they, they want to connect? Like what, what would, I know you can't see everybody in Asheville, North Carolina, right? <laughs> but are you, can they, can they glean from you social media? Your website probably has lots of information, like where direct them to your stuff. Yeah. So my website, drsuzieg.com, D-R-S-U-S-I-E-G.com. I have a YouTube channel. If you type in Dr. Susie G, <clears throat> a lot of sexual health, pelvic health education for men is on my YouTube channel. I'm also on Instagram. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you thanks so much. Thanks for being here. And thanks everyone for listening and being interested in Soft Cock Week, whether it's for yourself, for your partner, just because you're a sex geek and you want to know these things so that you can be more helpful in your community. We are so glad that you're here with us. Wow. Do I enjoy talking about Soft Cock? Thank you for listening. If you didn't catch the video version, I invite you to find us on YouTube or Spotify with video. If you found this podcast to be helpful and you feel you can give us five stars, I invite you to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. New episodes of the Soft Cock Week podcast only drop during the week of Soft Cock Week, so please make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Lastly, give us a follow on social media and check out our resources, Softcock love notes and events at softcockweek.com. Signing off from Southern California with so much love. Mwah.